It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg at G underscore Frank six for the rest of my shenanigans as it is a Friday early evening as we record getting you locked and loaded for the Saturday slate on the college hardwood as we only have a few more Saturdays left in the regular season before we get to championship week. And then of course the big dance. So certainly all eyes, if you're a sports fan shifting to the college hardwood, and we're going to try and make you some money on this Saturday afternoon. You listen as we're going to bring on a guest as uh, he is Colby Marcio, kind enough to join us from stadium bets live on the line and your betting news. Give him a follow at C underscore Marcio two. That's M A R C H I O Colby. Thank you for your time. How you doing? Great, Greg. Thank you so much for having me on. This is awesome. Absolutely. So um, I'm glad you told me how to pronounce the name. I got to ask you, <laughs> what's the worst you've gotten there? Great. This is a great question. Uh, Marshallino. <laughs> they added the L in the end. Okay. That's, the I don't, they it just appeared tra- out of nowhere. It was at a track meet in high school. They said Marshallino, and I go, I guess that's me. <laughs> so <laughs> you, were you too shy to correct the PA? or uh, I guess- it, it, there's, there's times where I'm like, I'll just let them. Just let it go. That's what it is. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't bother me. Sure. Yeah, fair enough. I would say, since my name's so easy, the one that I do get sometimes is like, people just randomly put an S on the end, and I get Franks. Um, so it's kind of spicy. I, yeah, kind of spicy. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> I'm from the Philly area, and um, it's a, it was a thing with the Eagles where like Alshon Jeffrey got called Alshon Jeffries for no reason, and mm-hmm. – Chase Daniel got called Chase Daniels for no reason. So I, maybe that's just a thing where people pluralize names that don't need to be pluralized around here. But I, I mean, people say Barnes and Nobles. It's always yeah. Barnes and Noble. That's another good one. Yeah. yeah. I, I, maybe it just sounds more natural for people to put an S on the end in some cases. So weird. They don't care. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, your background and kind of what got you into the sports betting space. And, uh, you know, obviously we're focusing on college basketball. So, um, you know, college basketball in particular, things you like to look at. But just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I work for Stadium. I do Stadium Bets. It's one of their betting shows that one of the guys that I do the show with created. And then I do behind the scenes work for Live on the Line that airs on Bally Stadium and a bunch of other outlets and then I work on I guess part-time with betting news uh I just gambling's been is it my life it's now it's officially my (laughs) life I've been gambling since 2019 yes 20 2019 and it's just grown and grown and I like to talk obviously because I, I just here we ramble. are here we are talk- <laughs> here we are you asked me to come on because you knew i could talk um 
I mean, I like to entertain. I like to make content. I like to just, it's just do it's sports stuff. Like sports has been my life forever. If, if gambling has just taken over, it's fun. I don't think it's work. So if anyone asks me to do anything, I will do it. It doesn't bother me at all. I always have time to do content. But yeah, first bet. If I'll just, I have, I'll throw that out there. Uh, LSU money line against Alabama, the Joe Burrow uh, LSU team. That was my first bet, a money line. Wow. Okay. So you're you're actually, I guess, in that regard, then you're maybe a bit more of a. I don't novice is a bit harsh, but a bit uh, less experienced than some people in the space. Yeah, I, yeah, you could say that. I mean, I'm learning a lot. I try to get, uh, learn something new every year. Like last year, I was horrible at college basketball betting, and now I feel like I'm hitting my stride. But I mean, it's gambling. You're not always going to be right. good. You're not always going to be bad. It's you just got to meet that fifty-fifty and just be happy with knowing that what you're doing is in your opinion, the right process and always trust your process and always trust your plums. You mentioned that you were not great with college basketball last year, figuring it out a little bit more this year. Since we're talking college hoops today, I'm curious, what were some of the things that uh, maybe resulted in some of your struggles last year? And, and what are things that you're having success with this year? I really think it's because I was such a sucker for mid-major basketball last year that I was just like, I don't really care if I lose this bet. I love watching these kids with the empty gym. <laughs> and then now this year, I'm more focused on like the the power six. I do like to dabble sometimes in the mid-majors because they're so fun and so gritty, but you can't trust them. It's it, I, I don't think it's worth it anymore. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting because – um, a friend of mine, uh, who I used to work with, uh, we were talking college basketball on, I think it was Monday. And he asked me about, we, we went through the whole top 25 and we kind of talked about the different teams and, and how deep, the, what was the ceiling for each one. And I honestly do feel like one of the more intriguing ones this year is probably those Dayton Flyers because they're sitting right in the middle of the top 25, having a really good year in a bad a 10 and I, I, it's always, I'm always curious to see how those teams fare in the tournament. Dayton, the COVID year, was going to be a number one seed. Yeah, I was uh, thinking you know, that too. San Diego State last year goes all the way to the national championship game. They were really good the COVID season too. So I do think the mid-majors, especially come tournament time, are very hard to get a gauge on because they could be mm -hmm. so high variance. They could bow out their first game or they could make a deep run. It's it if you win or lose, you still know it's beautiful sight to see when the mid majors do something impressive in the tournament. It's beautiful. The nobodies, that's my favorite part of sports. The nobodies yeah. pulling through. Well, we're gonna talk about the somebodies, I guess, here. As, you have to, have to. Yeah. <laughs> uh we wanted to kind of highlight the marquee games and throw a best bet your way for each of us as well. So we're gonna begin in the early window, twelve o'clock Eastern, eleven AM local time there in Texas. The Houston Cougars are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at FanDuel on the road, a total of 137 against the Baylor Bears. Uh, and I'll give some thoughts here on the side. I like Houston. This would normally be a spot where I'd be all over Baylor because Baylor's coming off of a loss to BYU. Now they're coming back home against the you know newly minted Big 12 members that are the Houston Cougars, you know, in-state rivalry kind of game, I guess, if you can call it a rivalry. Um, having said that, though, I, I like to look at some of the Ken Palm numbers. Houston, number one in the country in defensive efficiency. Baylor, number four in the country in offensive efficiency. Um, and so then I, it kind of gets a, you kind of have to ask yourself, what kind of game are we going to see? Is it going to be a little bit more of a track meet or is Houston going to be able to slow the tempo? And sure enough, 
Houston 347th in adjusted tempo, and Baylor only 297th in adjusted tempo. So it's not like Baylor, despite being a good offensive team, likes to run up and down the floor a ton. And so then you ask yourself, if we're going to see a slower game, I would think that would favor Houston. Um, And I also just think from a maturation standpoint, Houston probably learned a lot from having to go to Fog Allen earlier in February and play Kansas. Uh, These are obviously the tallest orders of business in the Big 12, going to Kansas, going to Baylor. Um, And I think that they're going to grow up a little bit here and you know they got blown out by KU. It was seventy-eight to sixty-five, and it really wasn't even that close. I will say this: Houston has had problems on the road this year. They're one in six ATS on the road, so that's definitely a concern. But in a way, the fact that they're still laying two and a half here makes me like it that much more because the oddsmakers are saying, despite that, we still think Houston is just a better team. And then you look at Baylor, and. What's their best win? Is it? A, <laughs> yeah, like is it Iowa State? I, I hate. I can't stand this Baylor team. Yeah, like maybe it's Iowa State in a game they didn't cover in. Then I'm looking at the rest of their their, their season and like they have a loss to all. Or excuse me, the probably the next best win is against Auburn in the season opener in the non conference. So count that you can't even count that. Can't even look at that. Um, it's so far back. And oh, by the way, that one cover for Houston on the road. Was at BYU where Baylor just lost. So um, I like uh, I like Houston laying the short number. What do you think here? I think I want to let it marinate. Like my knee jerk reaction was under because, like you said, the pace is going to be super slow. Both teams have pretty decent defenses. Obviously, Houston has a fantastic defense. And then, like you said, uh, I, but then I was like, I think I like Baylor, but I don't want to bet on Baylor because. <laughs> Time and time again, I bet against them thinking they're not going to come through. And it they always pull through in the last three minutes of the game. And then I'm just pissed off at myself. And then, like you said, uh, Haslametrics has Houston as the third worst team on the road. And Baylor as the 13th best. Why is that number so low? I think if I if you made me make a bet right here, I would still go Baylor because I hate myself. But but I would hate myself betting it. So I don't feel comfortable at all in this game. And it's a weird game. Houston is such a good team. And then sometimes you're just wondering, is their offense going to show up? Because they play such a slow-tempoed offense. It, it, those slow-tempo teams scare me. Well, there's a perfect segue because I don't think there's a better team that highlights slow tempo <laughs> over the course going. of over the course of the last 10 years of college basketball than the Virginia Cavaliers. And that's the next game we'll talk about. Same line, North Carolina traveling to Charlottesville, laying two in the hook, total of 130 and a half. And to me, this is a slam spot on the home dog. And I'm definitely going to take Virginia. Uh, it's just, a, it, it's really just a spot play where Virginia is coming off an embarrassing loss to the in-state rival, Virginia Tech. Uh, and now here's North Carolina, who to, you know, Hubert Davis deserves a lot of credit. They bounced back after missing the tournament last year. They're looking like a two or three seed, maybe a one if they get hot, win the ACC tournament. But yet they're only giving two and a half. That number almost feels like the books are baiting everybody into taking Carolina. Um, and I'm going to throw a thought out. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we all, I'm sure you're a football guy. Everybody likes the NFL. 
I know my buddy Alex will appreciate this, who's our um, our podcast producer. He jumps on during the NFL season. I think that Tony Bennett is the Mike Tomlin of college basketball. <laughs> That's a great comparison. And here's why. They've both been at their respective jobs for 15 to 20 years. Bennett was hired at Virginia in 2009. They both have one championship. Both coaches pride themselves on having very good defensive identities. And the public perception surrounding both their teams in recent years is usually one of, all. Oh, they're so boring. Please make them go away. We don't like watching you. And yet here they are. They just keep winning. And it's games like this. It's spots like this where you bet the Steelers when they're a home dog against a team that they have no business playing with. And this is what I'm going to do with North Carolina, excuse me, with Virginia. I looked under Tony Bennett as underdogs, Virginia since 2009, 54, 42, and two ATS. It's a 56% cover rate. Tomlin's like 75% ATS as a dog. It's ridiculous. Um, But I still think this is a vintage Virginia basketball spot where somehow, some way, they muck this thing up and they win the game. They bounce back. They are currently in the last four buys part of Joe Lenardi's bracketology. So that's like the best of the bubble teams. But with a win here, you kind of play yourself off the bubble. And, you know, the ACC is not that good. So obviously there's still some time maybe if they slipped up in the tournament or I don't know what their schedule is like after this game. But I think if they solidify themselves here with a home win against a quad one win, really removes the who's from the bubble. So I like Virginia uh, catching the short number. I loved everything you just said because <laughs> I I bet uh, Virginia uh, plus two and a half when it came out. Then I then I cashed out and I hammered the under because they're going to play slow. And uh, like you said, Tony Bennett loves playing at home. And the, just a storyline here. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rebet Virginia uh, plus two and a half because of you just firing me up and proving <laughs> me everything that I thought was right. But I, I just my reason for originally cashing out was I don't want to rely on Virginia to make their free throws. They're the one of the worst in the country at getting to the line and making them at home too, which is a weird place to not hit your free sure. throws. And then we remember them against Wake. They had they were one for eleven. That's just. They should have blew the wake up. They should have covered because yeah. obviously I had money on them. They should have covered just for that. Um, also, I don't think this is talked about enough. Uh, Baycott needs to needs to look himself in the mirror after saying that the ACC runs through him because they haven't looked fantastic yeah. since he said that. Um, Gosh, they look bad know. against Syracuse. Yes, yes, they looked terrible. And I think that was right after he said it, which was pure comedy. <laughs> I just want to know who's scoring because we know UNC likes to run, but if Virginia controls the pace, the slowest team in the country, if Virginia controls the pace, it's going to be under 70 points. I don't think anyone touches 70 points if Virginia is controlling the pace. Uh, UNC's second in adjusted defense, defensive efficiency, first in EFG defense, fourth in three-point de- defense, and 11th in two-point D. And then we know Virginia is one of the best defensive teams at home in the country while being pretty solid offensively. It doesn't really jump off the table like UNC's does. At 130, seems high to me. Yeah, no, I I think it definitely correlates with the side for sure because, as we said, 
Virginia, obviously more comfortable playing in the mud. Games in the 50s and 60s, more suitable for uh, the Cavaliers. So uh, I definitely have no uh, pushback on, on the under there. Let's move forward and go to the SEC, where the marquee game in the Southeastern Conference features the Alabama Crimson Tide as a short road dog against the University of Kentucky uh, as the Wildcats are at home at this one in Lexington. Very high total at 178 and a half. That was the first thing I looked at. Uh, don't Colby. even think. Just bet the over. Just don't. I didn't bet the over, but if you want to have some fun and you don't like college basketball and you want to see points, the over is the play here. There's no defense going to be played. You you could you could Greg you could rattle off any defensive stat for any either of these teams, and I'll just say, well, they're both top twenty in pace. I don't. Who, who, what yeah. are you stopping? What are you no, stopping? That's true. Uh, you know, the, all of the numbers would point to that. I guess. And maybe you, I'll, I'll stay away because my thing here is at a certain point, like, isn't there always an under, like, it, 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 aren't we just looking at the number and not like the statistical profiles that would indicate, oh, well, you got to smash you over, smash you over. Like the odds makers have the same data that we have. And, 100%. you know, like, I, for example, Alabama averaging 91 points per game, allowing 77 points per game. So you add those up, that's an average total of 168. That's 10 points below this total. Kentucky just played Auburn in Auburn last week, probably the most impressive result of the season for Kentucky, and they hold Auburn to 58 points. A couple weeks ago, Kentucky did not play well against Gonzaga in Lexington. Check Hyde. Check 80, Hyde. 89-85 loss for Kentucky. That's still a total of 174, which is still under 170 and a half. So I don't know. Like I, I'm fascinated where this total lands. You've convinced me to stay away from the under, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's like a slam dunk over either. Oh, I, I, I would not touch the total. I like Kentucky in this one a lot. Okay. Because you got Bama coming off that win against Florida. They had to get into OT to co- they didn't cover. They had that ugly win in overtime. And then you got Kentucky, who is in a, a sandwich spot. They played Auburn last week. They killed them. Then they had LSU the other day, yep. and they lost at the buzzer, which is disgusting, which I think is the perfect get-right spot for this young team to host Bama and come out with the win. They're probably one of the most untrustworthy teams in the country right now, and I'm fully invested in them in this game. They're They're gross. <laughs> they're gross yeah no you know i'm glad you brought that up with the sandwich spot um because i had lsu on i think it was tuesday night but i also had kentucky last week against auburn and one of the things i brought up last week i when i recorded solo was there's something and i'm not the biggest cal guy but i do give him a lot of credit with some of his teams uh most notably now i can't believe it was 10 years ago when they went to the final four as an eight seed with the julius randall james young team um they were able to problem solved midseason and find a way to play their best basketball at the end of the year where they just kind of hung around, hung around, hung around. They went to the tournament as an eight seed and played really well. They kind of did the same thing in 2011 when they went to the final four a team that had Deron Lamb and Brandon Knight and uh, DeAndre Liggins and they were a four seed and Ohio state, I believe is the number one overall seed that year. They knocked out Ohio state in the sweet 16 ended up going to the final four. Uh, and so I do think there's an element of, okay, like, you know, win the, battle even or excuse me win the war even if we're going to lose the battle with Cal where he can kind of like because you think about it like his teams are so new every year he always brings in these freshmen and I I don't think you can crap on him as a coach sure yeah but like I think that he chooses that path and I understand why people would maybe crap on him like you're saying but 
he kind of figures it out in the end. And so that's what I kind of think might be happening here, especially when you look at that Auburn win. I'm with you. And may, you know, I may if I convinced you on uh Virginia, then you've convinced me on Kentucky. I'm fully back in on Virginia. <laughs> Let's do it. it. The free throw is just so ugh. But yeah, Kentucky, it's 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 now or never for them. That if that LSU loss doesn't piss them off, you might as well just call it quits. And you know, the thing was too, and and yeah, like I would think any fashion you lose would piss you off, but the way they lost, a broken play, the ball's just banged up in the air. Like it was hilarious. Yeah. So all right, let's wrap things up here as we're getting and getting out here on a Friday evening uh with our best bets. Uh I'll go first. I'm going back to the Big 12 in a game uh, which the line doesn't really make any sense, but sometimes these are my favorite bets to make. I'm taking the UCF Knights minus one and a half at home against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, going to the well with the old unranked favorites over ranked team system. That's the which, best line. Oh, I love it. Um, and I talked about this last week. I gave out Oklahoma State. Uh, as a home dog and against uh, BYU last Saturday and what was felt like a look ahead for BYU with the Baylor game on deck that we already talked about. And I think that the Big 12, for as deep of a league as it is, you have a couple teams at the bottom of the league that obviously are not going anywhere come postseason time, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and, and it looks like UCF, um, you know, are, are at least those are the bottom three teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And what I was getting at with um, the fate of BYU last week against Oklahoma State was, okay, BYU's in the middle of the league, and therefore there may be, if you're in the middle and not the top, maybe you're less likely to you know, blow through the games that you should just blow through and win easily. In other words, you're probably more susceptible towards having a, a slip-up kind of spot. And that's kind of what the vibe I'm getting with Texas Tech, where it's a first-year head coach in Grant McCasland, and they've mostly done pretty well this year. Uh, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I think when all is said and done, they'll probably make the tournament, maybe win a game. And all the Texas Tech fans will probably feel the best they felt about their program since Chris Beard was there and kind of the direction that they're headed in. And that's all great. But again, they're not in the Iowa State, Kansas, Baylor, Houston tier of the league. And so then it allows you to maybe look at some of these games where, oh, it's UCF. They're new to the league. They're, you know, just kind of middle of the road. And 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 you fall asleep a little bit, and that's what I think happens here with Texas Tech. I also think the spot is bad for Texas Tech um, on deck. This is a big emotionally charged game for them on Tuesday night, hosting Texas in what will be the final Texas Tech Texas basketball game in the Big Twelve before Texas goes to the SEC. That's one of those rivalries. It's almost kind of like Michigan State Michigan, where I feel like it's a much bigger deal to Texas Tech the same way Michigan State Michigan is a much bigger deal than Michigan State. So I think there's a little look ahead here as well on top of Texas Tech maybe being a bit sleepy. Uh, so I like UCF minus one on the hook. I like it. I got I got uh, a play I think you'll love. I hopefully okay. I'm, I'm just going to sell it to you. The, the listeners can uh, do what they want, but I think you'll like this. Uh, Pitt minus three and a half. Virginia Tech got mur- – Virginia Tech murdered Virginia the other yep. day. And Pitt lost – and Pitt got murdered by Wake. And Virginia Tech is arguably one of the worst teams in the country. Hazelmetrics has them the second worst team in the country on the road. Uh, their, their defense is nothing special. They have a solid offense. They're 23rd worst in turnover percentage. 
and uh, they're 36 worst in rebounding, while Pitt does not turn the ball over, has a unbelievable defense, top 80 in adjusted defensive efficiency and EFG defense, and they are an incredible rebounding squad, 70, top 75 in offense and top 45 defensively. I think this is the perfect time to, as, to take Pitt in a get-right spot. I love that. I mean, again, just situationally, uh, yeah. you know, since I'm getting at Virginia, you know, I kind of have to dislike Vatek off yeah. that game. And uh, I guess Pitt's probably on the wrong side of the bubble right now, but uh, still in with a punch, puncher's chance. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. I'll probably play that one on the Pitt Panthers. Any final words? for? Oh, I, I want to add one more. Alex brought this up, and this is uh-huh. um, worth keeping an eye on come Sunday. There's another just spot that we should mention. Creighton traveling to St. John's. Oh, St. John's, St. John's, fade the storm. You have to, right? Exactly. Have to. Have to. Uh, Creighton coming off the big Kansas, or excuse me, Connecticut win. St. John's, Patino obviously making some comments the last couple weeks, kind of shitting on his players. They did win against Georgetown, a little ugly, uh, but you would have to think that's like max energy. I'm assuming that game's at the Garden. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, so like that would be a good St. John's spot on Sunday. Then do you like UConn tomorrow? UConn, oh, against Nova. Yeah, so that's another one where I guess Nova's on the wrong side of the bubble. Uh, (laughs) That number's like probably what, 15? 13. Yeah, I I think it's probably about right. I mean, gosh, when UConn, what they did to uh, Marquette last last week, I don't know what we can even call that. I took Marquette. I hated myself. Did you? Wow. Yeah, what, so, what you, you like gonna, Connecticut I, though against Nova to cover? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh you have to. Yeah. And I can't wait to take Marquette again when they play them at home because I think the week before that it's Seton Hall, which is the last team they lost to prior to Creighton, so they definitely have that circled. And then it's a good point. Letdown spot in in uh, Marquette. Yeah, that's the second to last game of the regular season for those two teams. The first week of March, so. Uh, one to circle for sure. All right, there he is, Colby Marcio. I said it twice, and I didn't screw it up either time. Perfection. Golden. <laughs> Thanks a lot for your time, Colby. Love to talk again. Of course, anytime. All right, he's Colby Marcio. I'm Greg Frank. Shoot the podcast to follow as well. Alex manages the account on Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Everybody enjoy the weekends as we wrap up the one more, actually, no, final weekend of February, which is not my favorite month. Uh, looking forward <laughs> to... Uh, some more things happen. Oh, what is this? The Super Bowl. There's nothing else in February that matters in sports. So, um, looking forward to some more excitement uh, on the college hardwood in these next few weeks. Again, my name is Greg Frank. Everybody, enjoy your weekends. This has been another edition of Full Slate, a podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. And of course, please play responsibly. We'll talk to you next time here on the podcast.